0: Sisters, friends, obedience to Jesus' call to serve is the hallmark of the Christian. That's my claim. I pray it's a biblical claim, or otherwise I shouldn't be standing here. Obedience to Jesus' call to serve is the hallmark of the Christian. My points are simple. Serving is contrary to our nature. Serving is the new norm in the Christian community. And don't forget, serving involves sacrifice. Context The Lord Jesus leading up to all of this, has spoken to his uh, disciples, but also to a particular person called, as we know him, as the rich young man. And um, that rich young man, you know, of course, wanted to know, you know, what must I do, et cetera, um, to inherit eternal life. And, uh, of course, we have heard that uh, answer, That that shocked him uh, because uh, it meant that uh, in order to uh, earn eternal life, um, Jesus, uh, wanting to prod his heart um, and soul here, said, sell all you have. Because the matter of knowing Christ as your Lord and your Savior involves uh, following him. Because how can you be a disciple unless you follow the rabbi? right, the teacher, um, and the following comes at expense, namely to turn away from everything, like the disciples did, to follow him. Uh, so this, this, this uh, young man had a real problem with that, um, and he was very discouraged. Um, and so you know, the disciples um, uh, come to him after that has happened, Um, and uh, the Lord Jesus has to say to them, um, after they have said, Lord, we have given up everything for you, uh, how difficult it is, he says, Jesus said, for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Um, And uh, the disciples were amazed at his words, and Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished And they said to him, that's chapter 10, verse uh, 26 and 7 now, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and he said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. And Peter began to say, We have left everything to follow you. And Jesus said, Truly I say to you, There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. And so then Jesus tells them again about his upcoming death, which is uh, also uh, then, of course, always discouraging to them. Um, And uh, he says, we're going to go up to Jerusalem. Um, and uh, they, he will be mocked and uh, spit upon and they will flog him and after three days he will rise. And it is at that moment when Jesus has just then talked about how for those who follow Jesus there will be a reward. There will be an, a, an incredible reward. Houses and lands and people and so forth uh, you will receive. Even now already in some form but certainly to the nth degree in glory that these two come to him. Matthew has another version. It's a different version of this, uh, different in the sense that it tells us that the mother of these two uh, brothers was involved in coming with the request to Jesus. Uh, the point is the request. And the request is, can we, my brother and I, sit on your right and your left when you are in glory? Jesus has just talked about his suffering, his death. Um, And they are concerned about being on the right or the left side of him when he sits on his throne in his kingdom come. Um, That had to be, I'm saying this from my perspective, that had to be so discouraging to our Savior um, that even now they don't fully get it. They still think in earthly terms about the kingdom that Christ is introducing to them and that he is summoning them to follow and be a part of. Um, One commentator, you may have known of him, John Calvin. (laughs) He says, This narrative contains a bright mirror of human vanity, for it shows that proper and holy zeal is often accompanied by ambition, or some other vice of the flesh, so that they who follow Christ have a different object in view from what they ought to have. They who are not satisfied with Him alone, but seek this or the other thing apart from Him and His promises, wander egregiously from the right path. More especially when any plausible occasion presents itself, we ought to be on our guard, he says, lest the desire of honors corrupt the feelings of piety. So we know what he thinks about that situation. Another more contemporary commentator writes briefly, the new age they look forward to has all, these disciples look forward to, has all the earmarks of the old age pork-barrel politics, and nepotism still reign supreme. They foresee themselves as the elite of the elite, ruling over others in an earthly empire. That is the assessment of others about what these two brothers were asking for. Well, I think they are correct, Also because um, of the response that uh, they are getting from their friends, the other disciples, they were really upset with those two. Maybe they're, we don't know why exactly they were upset. We're not told that, but they were upset. And for the right reason, I hope. Um, The hallmark of Jesus' new kingdom, new church, is servanthood. And so, again, these are the three thoughts. To serve in Christ's kingdom and, above all, Christ himself is contrary to nature, our human flesh. But it is the norm for Christ's church and his community, the body of Christ, here. Let's apply it very practically and locally. And then also, of course, that the call to service Uh, Involves sacrifice. Many years ago, some of you are old enough, there was a TV program called All in the Family. I see some people laugh or smile. Uh, It was probably, uh, well, I've seen uh, some of those shows if I recall them, but uh, they were funny. Um, and it was kind of a depiction and portrayal of what life in the American family was like in uh, in the city, uh, probably somewhere Boston or whatever it was supposed to be set um, of uh, Archie Bunker and Edith, and then their uh, daughter, I think her name was Gloria, and then her good for nothing Polish uh, 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 husband mike uh, and um, and so you know I was really funny and uh, uh, it's a t- depiction of a moment in uh americana you know that uh man comes home uh wife is there she has her apron uh, on you know she's cooking and busy and uh, oh honey i'm so glad you're home take off your shoes i'll put on your pantoffles as we call them in dutch uh slippers um and uh you know feet up and a newspaper and uh you know i'll just be serving you uh you know the rest of the day um that uh, is the picture that came to mind when I thought about the importance of servanthood. Um, uh, it is funny, of course, and it's, it's fine just as in and of itself, but it is a kind of a, a picture that shows us the opposite of what uh, life in the church, the life in God's kingdom is supposed to be like, and also that little kingdom in your marriage, you know, in your family. Because that is also part of the kingdom. And uh, how do we look at these roles that God has assigned to us? If we are single or married, it doesn't matter. But we have roles to play. And inside those spheres, those spheres of sovereignty, as Abraham Kuyper used to call them, uh, we have our roles to play. And we have to exercise the lordship of Christ over these terrains of life, like the family, like marriage, like Everything else, um, and so um, how do we exercise this this teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ that is given to us in pretty straightforward uh, straightforward terms? It shall not be so among you, but whoever uh, would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be uh, first among you must be the slave of all, it says. Doulos in the Greek is used there, typically used for either slave or the term servant. Um, And then finally, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So first of all, um, this idea that it is not um, according to human nature we want to be served, in other words. Uh, we, we have a, an inclination to, to rule over. Um, uh, you can see that um, you know, in, in a family. Uh, if you have a sibling group, uh, there's always one among the two or three or four, if you have them, that uh, tends to be that little uh, person who wants to be in charge uh, um, compared to maybe a sibling who is just more you know mellow and kind and, and so forth. Um, it is in our nature that we don't want to uh, be servants; uh, that we want to, that we do not want to be servants, but we want to be served. When we look at the scriptures, uh, several examples come to mind where this becomes obvious. Uh, that uh, the flesh takes over all too often in our personal lives, even as followers of Christ, and um, these uh, persons. The uh, uh, first one I will list is Satan himself. Uh, Satan is uh, revealed to us in God's word as the one who was not uh, okay with being a servant of God. Uh, and his rebellion against God, wanting to take over his place, that's how I uh, look at his rebellion. He wanted God's throne uh, to occupy it Uh, and and push God off the throne, if that were even possible. But um, that is really the thought behind the rebellion that took place uh, in the heavens. Uh, Satan is not content with his role as servant. Um, We see it also in our first parents, Adam and Eve, not content with the role assigned them. We also see it in a place like 2 Kings 5. I also wrote a paper on that passage. Um, And it is a wonderful passage. It was um, about, of course, um, Elisha being confronted with the foreigner Naaman. And here comes Naaman with his entourage. And he has his servants, of course. And he is really, I'm just going to say, he's the general, right? And if you have seen any generals, I think here in America, we were a little bit more modest than some of the other countries like Russia and maybe other places where, you know, you see these generals and it is just One, like two, one, two, three, four, five, all the way to there with medals. Medals, just, you know, these people are important. These are leaders, these are commanders, they are in charge. And so here he comes to this other country, small, tiny, insignificant, and he uh, asks his servant to knock on Elisha's door, and he expects Elisha to come out, of course. And to serve him. And I don't want to do a sermon now on 2 Kings 5, but it's the main it's the same message that Naaman first initially has a really hard time being humble. And to have this man say to him, dump yourself down, dunk yourself down in that river, that muddy river called the Jordan. And do that seven times. And you'll be clean. And it is his servant (coughs) who has to say to his master, what is so hard about this? So he does it, and of course we know the answer and the outcome. Interesting in that passage is also that the other servant, Gehazi, Elisha's servant, is also not content with his role as a servant, is he? because after his master has said no to all the gifts that this Naaman was going to give to him, in gratitude, maybe payment for the healing, Gehazi says, my master is not thinking right. And so he goes after this guy. And then the man stops and he gives him all this stuff. And then you have that confrontation, of course, when uh, Gehazi gets home and he says, um, well, Elisha knows everything about what happened because God revealed that to him, didn't he? So those are just a few examples of how we find uh, people having a hard time with the role of servanthood. We have positive examples. Mary, she says to the angel after the birth announcement given her, let it be so. I am your servant. There is a foreigner called the Roman centurion. Who asks uh, the Lord to uh, heal his servant? Um, and uh, he says, Lord, don't, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. Just say the word. Another general, if you will. But what a different attitude. The Jerusalem Church. Those lovely first. Chapters in the book of Acts that show us that there was this amazing uh, integration of lives, body life. Uh, People looked out for one another and no one was suffering, missing anything they needed. Um, You know, striking examples of, uh, of what it ought to be like. From church history, we can mention St. Augustine. The way to Christ is first through humility, second, through humility, and third, according to his letters, humility. You want to be a follower of Jesus? Be a servant can't be a ruler. Because if you want to be in his kingdom, the norm, the new norm, is not to be ruling. Not to say, as I heard somebody some time ago, um, I believe God has given me the gift of X, Y, Z, and this is what I ought to be in the life of this church. That doesn't sound right to me. That doesn't sound like you are saying I'm at your service Lord and I am willing to do within the boundaries of scripture what I can do and am called upon to do in the life of that that means that you're asked to lead Sunday school others are asked to uh, clean up we are, we're having a whole list by the way at the end of the service for us okay. to consider um, <laughs> Um, But uh, all these things need to be done. And for some, it means that you've played a role of an elder or a deacon or a pastor in my case. But the norm is that in these functions, that's just what they are. They are functions. That's what the Latin word officio means. Function, office. Uh, Applies that way in civil life as well. Uh, The mayor of this town has an office. He is the mayor of this town. It's a job. It's a high job, but it's a job. In the church, we have functions to fulfill. And as we fulfill them, we do not do that as the world would, but we do it as Christ would. And Christ says, you are one another's servants. So that's why Jesus says, and he's really emphatic about it in the greek the negative comes first so if the if 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 the author wants to communicate something emphatically then he would then he would organize the the chronology the ordering of the words that way so in the greek it says not so among you it shall not be so, it shall not be so among you verse 43 here the the, the, the Lord Jesus is now addressing the whole group, by the way, not just those two. And so what is Jesus saying? That in his community, in his kingdom, uh, we're called not to be like the world, to lord it over, to to rule. And I think it has a negative connotation there. Um, but uh, nevertheless, uh, how does the life, the body life in the church operate in Christ's church? Well... We don't practice this in our churches, but a good brother that I worked with at Bethany Home, uh, the senior living facility uh, back in California, uh, he was a retired uh, uh, doctor, medical doctor, uh, and also pastor. And uh, he was with the Brethren. uh, the uh, The church was called the Grace Brethren Church. So when they have Lord's Supper on a given Sunday, the pastor and the leaders wash the people's feet. We don't practice that but it has biblical credentials to it, doesn't it? It is an expression of how Christ himself, the King of glory, went on his knees and washed his disciples' feet. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that I would do that? Be honest. (laughs) You probably cannot. (laughs) Uh, Would I? I'm willing to do it. (laughs) If you promise me first that you have washed them first. (laughs) What does the Lord teach us in his word? The Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. There's a translation out there, and don't run away when I mention which one it is. It's called the message. I don't have a copy of the message, but Luke 14, 12 through 14, is translated, paraphrased this way. Then he turned to Christ, then he turned to the host, I think it was a Pharisee who had invited him to dinner, a party. The next time you put on a dinner, Jesus said to him, don't just invite your friends and family and rich neighbors, the kind of people who will return the favor. Invite some people who never get invited out, the misfits from the wrong side of the tracks. You'll be and experience a blessing. They won't be able to return the favor, but the favor will be returned. Oh, how it will be returned at the resurrection of God's people. Whatever you think about the message as a translation, I think it actually captures what Jesus said. When we think about servanthood, we have to think about servanthood not in some kind of humanistic way, you know, social justice way or whatever, Uh, woke way Um, but you have to think about it biblically and when we think biblically we think about jesus first we think about him as the suffering servant who by his suffering servanthood showed that he was willing to serve those who are on the wrong side of the tracks and i don't mean that in a social uh financial economic uh sort of way but I mean it spiritually. We're all on the wrong side of the tracks. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We just read somewhere. We're all in need of Jesus to serve us before we can become servants ourselves, as we must. And Jesus says so beautifully that if they follow the Savior, they serve the Lord in servanthood they are willing to break with that uh, that which would otherwise hinder them from following them that God will reward in some way even now as we live on this side of glory but certainly when we see him in the new Jerusalem above. And that leads us to the final thought and perhaps you can say That is the most important thought because here we focus more specifically on the call to sacrifice in light of him who gave his life a sacrifice, the Lord Jesus. He has showed us, he showed the disciples that the way to follow him is to deny yourself. It can't be any other way. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life and He, he changes your outlook, He it changes your mind, your mindset, He changes your understanding of who you are and who God is and your purpose and meaning of life in this world, everything changes. Everything gets transformed because we are not of this world. We are of a different world. We are of the kingdom of God world. And that operates not on the flesh, but the Spirit, the Apostle Paul teaches in his writings. There's the contrast between the flesh and the Spirit. These disciples, when they said, can we sit on your right or left hand? They were acting according to their flesh, as if nothing had changed. If they had not understood anything. That's why it was profoundly disturbing to the Lord when they had these questions and comments, um, not just on this occasion, but more often, that told him that they were just not ready yet to fully and completely or even fundamentally understand what his business was all about, his father's business that he came to accomplish. He's saying, doesn't he, he is saying, after they say so audaciously, we are able. Isn't that just striking that they dare to say that? When Jesus said, it just shows that they weren't really thinking about uh, fully understanding that part either. You don't know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And what is Jesus talking about? He's talking about his crucifixion as the atoning sacrifice for sin and sinners like you and me. Lord Jesus is going to bring to the throne of God the sacrifice required of every one of his elect. And let's not just get too worried about the numbers here when we talk and use the word Elect. It's a mass of people who have a mass of sin and guilt that requires the full wrath of God on it and on them that Jesus came to pacify, to atone for, to take away, to propitiate so that we can have peace again, peace with God who made us in His image Holy Spirit, come. Convert us more. Transform us more so that we stop thinking about ruling and reigning and rather be the servants that God calls each each one of us to be because and in light of the fact that Jesus didn't just come to show how to do it, how to be a servant, how to, you know, be humble. But Jesus showed it by his word and by his presence and by his actions that he is the one who served in order to take away our sins. In order for us to be able to be qualified that way, to be accepted into the presence of God, to be reconciled with him um, through the atoning work of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, Because it was in that way, by giving up his life, that he served us supremely. So when you and I are called to serve the Lord, don't do it just because of moral reasons. It feels good and so forth. But do it because of your relationship with Christ. He drives that need, that urgency, that calling. And it is the hallmark for us as believers that when we serve one another that way, Christ is glorified. And when we serve one another for that reason, it is because of Christ that I'm here to wash your feet. So will you drink the cup? Will you go with Christ through his death, his suffering? They said yes. What do you say? Well, we are believers, and so by faith, we say and declare, yes, but not because we are audacious, not because we think we can do it, like these two brothers, James and John, seemed to think, and they were kind of ignorant about it. We have been informed sufficiently by the Word of God to know what Jesus was talking about, what the implications of His words were, and how it ought to impact the followers of Christ in their day-to-day living. Follow Jesus by living a life of servanthood. That is the supreme way by which to show your gratitude to Him who gave us all for you. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this passage as well. We ask you, Heavenly Father, to help us to serve one another in your holy name. And only because of your name can we be your servants. And so, Father, we ask you that this fellowship will be characterized by the desire to look out for one another so that there is not one person who falls between the cracks, that there is not one person who leaves the church and says, nobody talked to me, nobody paid attention to me. And so, Lord, help us then. We all need it, Lord, to get out of our safe circles and comfort zones and to mix and mingle With those who are on the other side of the track, maybe it feels to us. And then help us, Lord, to see that we're all on that other side of the tracks together in Adam. And thank you that in Adam you take us across the tracks, one and all, to that place to which we aspire. Kingdom come. Amen.